0: I gotta say, church, you guys sound pretty amazing. When you're sitting up here and you can hear all these voices coming from the background, I don't know if it was just Suzanne right behind me. Um, yes, yeah, she is so loud. You are so loud. Um, but no, just kind of listening to to the to the voices coming in and and just kind of. If our God is for us, who can be against us? And is that what reverberates, or however that word is, just kind of boom, it's like God is awesome. I am so glad. I am so glad he saved me so that uh, I could worship him with abandon to say, Lord, thank you, man. There's so much to be f- thankful for, guys. I, I, again, man, I just in awe this morning of who he is. So after a few weeks off from the book of Revelation and from our series Christ Revealed, we are back in the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is the actual title of this last book of the Bible. So make your way over to uh, Revelation chapter 12. A couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago, we we started Revelation chapter 12. We got to about verse 6. And so this morning we will be finishing up the chapter. So if you make your way there, I also want to ask that you make your way over to Daniel chapter 10. We're going to get to it in a little while, so you might want to put your bulletin, a bookmarker, your neighbor's finger, something there until we get there in in a little while. But when we started Revelation 12, covering those first six verses, we we came across and we covered three different figures or characters in that first part of the chapter. The woman, the child or male child, and the dragon. And each one represented something or someone. The woman was Israel. Now, after looking at a couple of, or some, some possibilities of who else this woman could be or might be, all of them just kind of seemed to fall short as we were covering them. But through the scriptures, though, we were able to identify, just because of, 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 of the description that it gives us here in verse 1, we were able to identify that the woman was actually Israel. And we got that from Genesis chapter 37. The male child was Jesus. Because we know that it was prophesied that the Messiah, the the sent one, the the Christ, would be or would come from Israel. And verse 6 of that chapter, um, or verse 5, gives us a heads up as to who Um, This this child was and so it was pretty easy to identify this male child as Jesus and the the dragon was a no-brainer In that verse 9 and we covered it and we'll cover it again this morning verse 9 totally gives it away It tells us who it is and 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 it's almost like it, it It takes all the guesswork out of it There is no way to mistake who the dragon is Uh, Because it tells us that it's Satan himself. And it's interesting because Satan has hated Israel from the very beginning. When God brought it into existence. But even before Israel became a nation. He already was at mankind. Coming at them in the garden. But ever since Israel became a nation. Satan has hated it. And it has used. He has used peoples and nations to destroy them, because he knew, or because he is the Prince of the Power of the Air, and he knew that the Messiah would come from Israel. And he has done all and will continue to do all to try and destroy this nation to the very end, to the bitter end. He was going to, to, to destroy this this woman and its people, the Jews. Also, we looked at the fact that, as soon as Jesus was born, the male child was born. Satan tried to destroy him by using Herod the Great in uh, in Matthew, but he was not able to. But again, he's he's he he wants to destroy, and so we kind of in verse six we kind of went from or or this what we covered in the first six verses. We went from. Um, from, from the birth of Jesus to the ascension of Jesus to the last part of the tribulation where Israel will go into hiding. And so um, let's go to Revelation again, if you're there. Chapter 12 from 1, and we'll go to verse 12 for right now. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then, being with child, she cried with, cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour the child as soon as it was born. She bore the, a male child who, who was to rule all nations with the rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there one 1260 days and war broke out in heaven michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon with his angels fought but they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer so the great dragon was cast out that serpent of old called the devil and satan Who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Therefore rejoice, O heaven. And you who dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has was cast, has come down, has come down to you, having great wrath. Because he knows that he has a short time. But when we go back to verse 7 and begin right there, it says that there was war that broke out in heaven. And, and, and it's almost like, you almost feel like, man, what an odd place for a war to break out. Because if you've been a Christian for a long time or for any time, you you, you know, we always think of heaven as being this this wonderful place full of glory and grace, a place where we're going to see our Savior's face because heaven's a wonderful place. Now, there is a war that wages on every day. Every day. Every day there's war. And you go, oh yeah, I watch the news all the time. There's always wars. Some kind of war is always going on. And that's kind of true, yeah. but, But there is a war that wages every single day And we really don't even think about it unless we kind of get caught up in it somehow. And that is the spiritual war. There is an unseen war that is going on every second of the day. Somehow, somewhere, somewhere in the place that we really cannot see, there is warfare happening. And this war, this unseen war, for the most part is fought on a daily basis over the hearts, souls, and minds of human beings. Every day there's a warfare for you. Even as a Christian, there's this demonic activity that goes on because, again, our flesh is so into like, like getting into the flesh. But it's like sometimes there's these thoughts and these crazy things that happen and reminders of who we were. And oftentimes you're going, Lord, where did that come from? And it's so often it's just this... This warfare that is happening in our lives, you know, because Satan wants our heart. He wants our mind. He wants our soul. And we're battling against it. But yet, as we're going to see in Daniel chapter 10, in a little while, that, that there is this spiritual warfare that happens like that. And there's these angels that are fighting, and we can't even see it. And so this, this warfare that is unseen in the physical realm, and yet happens. Albeit this, this war appears, the one that we're looking at here, it, it, it appears to be uh, still future. From, from where we're looking at right now, from our standpoint, this incident that is happening here that we just read about, is still future tense. But at some point, it will be fought. More than likely it will be fought during the tribulation. And there are things that are going on around us in the spiritual realm that we will never see. And even though it's not until we get to heaven that it will be revealed to us, here it seems like we get a glimpse of an unseen war that hasn't even occurred yet. Somehow God wants us to know about this situation. That this war here is not so much over the hearts, souls, and minds of human beings. This war seems to make a statement of dominance and 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 power and authority. And and it is a statement for us to understand that that when all this takes place, the end is near. Before Jesus sets up his kingdom here on earth. And so again, he's giving us a glimpse into the future of what's going to happen. And so in this war in heaven, we have two sides. Two forces, if you will, that are coming against each other. We have Michael and his angels. And then we have the dragon and his angels. And even as I'm looking at this whole thing, I'm thinking of, you know, just this... uh, these two gangs, man, getting ready to rumble, you know, getting ready to, to get into this fight, you know, they have their chains and their knives and you got your good guys and you have your, well, they're, they both be bad guys probably, but, but you know what, for territory basically, wanting to take over and so I just have this little image in my mind of these two gangs coming together and, and for some youngsters, man, it's like, man, oh, I've, I've seen that video game, oh yeah, man, I play that game all the time. But that's what it kind of looks like, kind of gnarly, you know. You have this, this, this Michael and, and his angels, and you have this dragon and his angels. It's like, yeah. And it just represents good and evil, right and wrong. Now we know who the dragon and his angels are. We, again, have, have kind of covered them, but, but who's Michael and his angels? Michael is mentioned five times throughout the Word of God. And we know that from the book of Jude that we covered last year sometime, that Michael is an archangel. And besides Jude, in Jude, the only other time he is mentioned in the New Testament is right here in Revelation chapter 12. All the other times that he is mentioned, it is in the book of Daniel. And so if you will, go over to Daniel chapter 10. I want to read the whole chapter to you. It's a little lengthy, but I want to read it to you because I want to be able to kind of show you the spiritual realm that goes on. Now again, we we have Michael in here, or we have Daniel in here. We have somebody that appears to him. We have somebody else talking to him. uh, Somebody that talks about this Michael. And so I want to show you... The spiritual realm that goes on. I guess to give us a better idea as to why Michael, who he is, and why he is the one that fights in this battle in heaven. So, Daniel chapter 10, he says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was. Long, And he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food or meat or wine came to my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all until three whole weeks were fulfilled." Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked and behold a certain man clothed in linen whose, whose waist was geared with gold of euphos. His body was like burl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished burnished brass in color and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them so, so that they fled and hid themselves. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision and no strength remained in me. For my vigor and, uh, was turned into frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard <clears throat> the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Suddenly, a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on, my, on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, "O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words which I speak to you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you." While he was speaking with me, with uh, speaking the, this word to me, I was trembling. Then he said to me, "Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, to humble yourself." Before the Lord, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words, but the Prince of the Kingdom of Persia wouldstood me twenty one days until Michael, one of the chief princes princes, came to my help, for I had been left alone there with the kings kings of Persia. Now, I have come to you to make To make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face towards the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the son of men, touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrow have turned My sorrows have turned, have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any beneath uh, breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong, yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I, I was strengthened and said, let, the, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do, not, do you not know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scriptures of truth. No, no one upholds you or upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Now, I know that was kind of a long scripture to kind of read and kind of go over. But I want to give you, the, I guess, the insight that Daniel here, he, he, he is in this vision, he has seen what's going on, and, and he had been praying, and yet in this unseen world, there was a battle for 21 days that this angel, whoever was speaking to him, had not been able to get to him because there was a fight going on for the answer to get to Daniel. And this happens all the time. And we could we could like get upset because God, you're not answering my my prayers right now. I've asked for this, and this hasn't happened. And who knows that there's not a spiritual warfare going on in this time frame, so that the answer doesn't come to you yet? Because there's a spiritual thing that's happening. In verse in chapter twelve, verse one of Daniel, it says. At that time, Michael shall stand up. The great prince who stands watches over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. And so we see that this Michael... The archangel, he, he is the one that does a lot of this kind of battle in the spiritual realm. There is something going on beyond what we could see. There is something that happens. And I think oftentimes we, we miss that because we get so caught up in the physical and what's going on around us. And man, we're getting a glimpse through the book of Revelation and even through the book of Daniel that there's stuff that happens in the heavenlies all the time. And we need to be aware of that, people. We need to understand that there is stuff going on beyond what we could see. Now, I often think that there's this misconception that Satan and God are, are counterparts. That they are somehow equal. And they are not. That is the, like the biggest lie. Also, that, that that Jesus and Satan somehow, you know, fight each other it's like nah satan is no match for him but satan and michael are counterparts and and it seems like there's always this battle going on between michael and the forces of evil here in our text in revelation we see that 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 now they're fighting each other there's a battle that goes on It's interesting because when we were covering Jude and and, and, uh, there was this battle for the body of Moses. And at that time, Michael didn't even want to fight with Satan. It's like, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Get out of my face. This isn't even worth it. (laughs) But it seems that both are archangels with the power and the authority that they possess. But verse 8 of our text tells us that as this war begins or starts or breaks out in heaven, in verse 8 it says, But they did not prevail, speaking of the dragon and his angels, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. The good thing about this war is that although Satan brought one-third of the angels down with him, Michael somehow still has two-thirds of the angels. And so the, w- the good side wins out here. The good side prevails. As we know from the end of the book, we win anyways. Amen. But in that verse, we, we read something that could be a little troubling. Where it says, Nor was a place found for them or him in heaven any longer. What does that mean any longer? What? What, is he, what are you talking about? Well, if, if, if you've ever read, like, the book of Job, the first two chapters gives us an indication that even though Satan was cast out of heaven long ago, he still has access to heaven. And some of you are like, what? No way. How is that possible? He still ha- he's still accountable to God. He still has to get permission from god to do anything here in this world even though he's the prince of the power of the air and he rules this place he still has to give an answer to god so because he still has access to heaven he he ends up starting to fight there and there's a war that happens in heaven But at the end of this book, the book of Revelation, we learn that God will create a new heaven and a new earth so that that new heaven and that new earth will be totally pure and clean. When Satan rebelled and sinned against God and he lost his normal place in heaven, he was truly cast out of heaven and his position there And he became the ruler of the earth. And that's why we battle today. He has the title deed. But after this battle that we're reading about in chapter 12, he is cast out completely from heaven. Strictly. And there will be no more access for him. This war more than likely will take place at the middle of the tribulation. Because again, as we saw in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, it says that there shall be a time of trouble when this happens. And Satan will pull out all the stops. And he will come after the woman. He will come after the, 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 the nation of Israel because in verse 13 it says, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast out to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. He will pull out all the stops. Verses 9 and 10. It says that there was a, that, that this dragon, the great dragon was cast out. And here we get the titles of the spiritual enemy. The dragon, the, that serpent of old, the devil and Satan. And these titles describe the enemy of God and, and the enemy of God's people as being vicious, being an accuser and being an adversary the word devil means accuser and the word satan means adversary he has always been and will always be these things ephesians 6:12 tells us for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against uh, the rulers of the darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is who our enemy is. And he does this all the time. He is a foe. And he does this day and night. I think oftentimes we think our problem is with people. But it's not. Oftentimes, if we look beyond the situation that's going on in our lives with people, we see the antagonists behind that. We see the spiritual things that are happening behind us. And that's why I say we need to be aware of the spiritual realm. Now, I'm not saying that we we should always be demon hunting and doing all those kinds of things. Just know that it's out there. That the person that, that you are at odds with is not really your enemy. If anything, you pray for them. If anything, you you have compassion for them. And you don't egg them on or keep on adding fuel to the fire. You try to squelch it. Because when you know that the enemy is using people or things in your life, then if you can try to see beyond the situation, you will be able to handle it a little different. He is our enemy. And he will use people. He will use things. He will use our loved ones. He will use all kinds of things. Because he is the enemy of our soul. And so a lot of it is the spiritual. But at this moment today, Satan still has access to to heaven. says that he deceives the whole world. This is what Jesus said about our enemy in John chapter 8, verse 44. It says, you are of your father, the devil, and your desire. He's speaking to the Pharisees, the Jews. You are of your father, the devil, and the desire of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He is a liar and the father of it. And then later on, he says in, in John ten ten, the thief, speaking of the enemy, does not come except to kill, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you may have life, and that you may have it more abundantly. There is the spiritual realm that is happening when Jesus was rebuking these these Pharisees, these Jews, he's saying there's a spiritual father that you are following after because of the things that you're doing. You're imitating that father because they were claiming that Abraham was their father. He says, if Abraham was your father, you would not try to kill me. But you're doing what your father, the enemy of your soul, wants you to do. You're doing exactly what he wants you to do. You see, Satan has always been into deception he's all about deception he is all about dishonesty that's who he is he uses trickery at every turn he is conning people all the time that's all he knows it's interesting because second corinthians eleven thirteen to 15 says For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their own works. And so we see that the spiritual thing that's going on in the world Sometimes we see it in the people as he's talking about these false apostles and, and, and deceitful workers. It's like they are doing the work of the enemy. He's deceiving them. And that's why I say the person that you're at odds with is not always the enemy. It's what's behind it. And we need to understand that. In verse 12 or verse 10, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. Who accuses them day and night. He is the biggest crybaby and tattletale of all time. Of all time. You do something wrong and guess what? Your name is being mentioned in heaven. Even you who think like, no, I'm pretty good. It's like, no, no, you're not. You think that you're too good. He's going, did you see so-and-so? They are so proud of themselves right now because they haven't lied like in two days. He, he is such a punk, man. He is constantly accusing you and I before the Father, saying, look at Zeke again. How do you put up with him? You know, if there is any truth in, in, in Satan, it might be in the accusations <laughs> that he makes against us. And even those, I, I just think that he, he, he exaggerates it. Right. He's probably telling God right now, you see that? He's, he's worse, because he's deceiving himself. <laughs> he is that bad, God, come on. The fact that he tells on us about our sins, well, that's true. That we mess up, Ah, that's true. <laughs> but regardless of his accusations that he brings before God, not one of those accusations, as a believer, not one of them has stood before God. God did not finally say, you are so right. No, you know why? Because we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is always on call. (laughs) I was sharing this when we were going through 1 John. When we were talking about that we have this advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus Christ is not, because he's like a a lawyer on retainer, right? He's always at work on our behalf. And he's not like this lawyer that's walking up and down the the eye, or the, the hallway going, come on, Zeke, repent, hurry, repent so I can go in there because Satan's accusing you. Come on, hurry, hurry, Zeke. He's like, no, he already knows who I am. He's my advocate. He's already in there when Satan says, did you see what Zeke did? He goes, he's one of mine, God. Doesn't stand. Doesn't have any legs here, Lord. He's mine. I died for him already. He, he received me. <clears throat> Satan's like bummed up. He intercedes for us all the time. Jesus prays for you all the time. So even though he is the accuser of the brethren, we have Jesus, the righteous, who stands in the gap for me and you. Satan and his angels, which are the demons, will be cast out of heaven. And for that matter, from the heavenly realm, in the middle of the tribulation, and there will be no more accusations because he won't have access. And in that, it says in verse 12, "O oh rejoice, oh rejoice, O oh heavens. There will be rejoicing in heaven when, when the accuser of the brethren is no longer allowed to be there. Amen. But for those who dwell on the earth, it's not going to look so good because they will get the full wrath of the enemy why because he knows that his time is short and so verses 10 and 11 it says and they beca- and they overcame him with the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to death to the death those who are on the earth during This time, both believer and unbeliever, it will be the hardest time than any other time in history. Because Satan himself and his angels will be on the earth having great wrath because he knows that his time is short. And so he will pull out all the stops here on earth. But John encourages the saints at this time frame in future tense he encourages these tribulation saints. This is how you overcome Satan, even during the tribulation saints, or the, the tribulation time. But this also holds true for us today. Because Satan is alive and well on planet earth, and he is not letting up anytime soon. The Bible tells us that in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I like the way one commentator put it. He says, this is how you slay a dragon. By putting your trust in the blood of Jesus Christ. Because that blood is what washes away our sins. And when Satan puts those thoughts in your head or whispers in your ear about how worthless you are and he reminds you who you really are, then we can remind him that Jesus shed his blood to wash me from my sins. And that he only has a short time. In other words, when, G- when Satan reminds us of our past, we can remind him of his future. That he's done. But you see, Satan hates to hear about the blood of Jesus. Because he thought that he was getting rid of Jesus when he killed him on the cross. But it all got turned around on him. And the very blood that he was so thirsty for was the very blood that saved us from his grip if we just call upon his name. And so we can overcome the enemy and the tribulation saints will overcome when they trust in the blood of the lamb but we can also overcome and they will also overcome by the word of our testimony you see satan hates to hear how jesus has changed our lives (laughs) he hates it because he knows that we're no longer serving him we're not we're not a servant to him he is not our master anymore we have a new master and he has no power over us any longer And we have the opportunity and they will have the opportunity to share their testimony anytime they want. Why? Because it's our testimony. We know because it has happened to us what Jesus has done in our lives. And the last thing in that verse, in verse 11, is is, it says that they were not afraid of death. You see... For, for centuries, forever, since death was introduced, Satan has loved to use death as a scare tactic, tactic in our lives. And yet Paul wrote in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He had disarmed the enemy when he was not afraid to die. And see, when, when we are willing to die for Jesus, no matter what, then Satan is totally disarmed and defeated. I think that we give Satan too much power. But Hebrews tells us that he he has won that battle. Jesus has won that battle over sin. Because he tasted it and he overcame it. And we are in him. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And the Bible tells us not to fear those who could kill the body but cannot kill the soul but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body, which is Jesus Christ. And we are on His side. You see, death can only usher us as the believer into the presence of God. We have won the battle. And our life should not be wrapped up in this life. And so He encourages, the encouragement is to not to love this life to where you're scared of dying, It's not that we can't enjoy this life. We can. We can enjoy it to the fullest because Jesus says he has come that we may have life and we may have it more abundantly. But this world is not our home. And we're only here for a time. And when we can understand that our true dwelling and citizenship is in heaven, then we rejoice. We rejoice because in heaven they are rejoicing when Satan is cast out. Those who dwell on the earth, there's a woe to them. (laughs) The devil was cast down and having great wrath. And from verse 12 on, Satan knows that he only has three and a half years, and he pulls out all the stops. And the way this world looks today, (laughs) the stage is being set. And it looks like it's the beginning of this winding down. And I'm sure Satan can sense that the end is near for him. And he is blinding as many as he can. But the good news is that Jesus today has given us the authority to give sight to the blind. Both both physically and spiritually. Because we were once blind, but now we see. The last verses from verse thirteen to the end. it says, "Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast into the uh, to this earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times. And half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of its, his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might carry her to a, uh, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth opened, helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood from the dragon which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth and the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring to keep the com- who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ in the second part of the great tribulation the persecution of and two, the nation of Israel, to the Jews, will be like no other time in history. Throughout history, we know that it's been really bad. <laughs> but at this time frame, it will be nothing. Or that has, will be nothing compared to what we see here. And we will see in the next chapter how Satan will introduce the Antichrist and the false prophet. And Israel will be its main target but as we have seen throughout history Israel's history God has protected Israel and he will continue to protect Israel at least a remnant of Israel he will protect her as we saw in chapter uh, in, in this chapter in verse 6 that he will take her into the wilderness and protect her for 1260 days and here in 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 chapter in in verse 14 we have the term a time and times and half a time and the only other place that we see that term we see it used twice in the book of daniel and it refers to a year and two years and half a year or three and a half years or 42 months or 1,260 days. All of these refer to the second part of the great tribulation. It all correlates together. In verses 15 and 16, it says, So the serpent spewed out water to try to once again destroy the woman, to carry her away. And this could speak of a literal flood of water. But it also could be the fury that is poured out against Israel from all the other nations or from an army. And you can read in Matthew chapter 24 verses 15 to 22 that Jesus touches on this. But Isaiah 59:19 says when the enemy comes in like a flood the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Now, also, if you remember, back in the book of Numbers, chapter 16, when Korah came up against Moses, it seemed like God kind of took care of the situation where he opened the earth and swallowed up Korah and all those people around him. So God can do just about anything he wants to do to protect Israel. And in verse 17, it talks about the dragon being enraged that the woman is being protected and he goes and makes war against the rest of her offspring. Now we know that Israel is a woman, but who are the offspring? Well, it could be Gentiles who have come to know Christ during the tribulation. It could be talking about Jews, other Jews who have come to know Christ during that time. But it could also mean the, the 144,000 who have been raised up during the, the tribulation. All those who have come to know Christ... Because they have the testimony of Christ. And that's who he goes after. So whether they're Jew or Gentile, during this tribulation time, these saints will be protected. And just like the promise that we have today, these tribulation saints will have the same promise in the future. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We are more than conquerors through Him, through Christ Jesus. He who overcomes will inherit all things. Those are all promises that we have today and that the tribulation saints will have. You see, Satan is a defeated foe and he knows it. And he will get his in due time. But in the meantime, today, he seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. So let us, today, as a church, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Christ has revealed the future to us through this portion of Scripture. The revelation of Jesus Christ. So let us reveal it to those who do not have a future and a hope right now. That is our job. That is what we are called to do to go reveal Christ to the world because Christ has been revealed to us. Amen? So let's go out. Let's stand as we close in prayer. Jesus, we once again want to thank you for this portion of Scripture, Lord, for giving us a glimpse of the future once again, Lord. Lord, even though we know how the book ends, (laughs) we understand that your Spirit, Lord, today is at work in such a powerful way. And even as the Spirit is taken out of the way and all hell breaks loose on this earth eventually, we know that you will somehow still bring people to the saving knowledge. <coughs> Father, I pray, God, that we, as we read about the future, we see what will happen in the future, that you would give us a burden and a heart today for those who are blind, those who are lame, those, those, those who cannot do for themselves because they're caught up in in this world. I pray that, God, you would use us as individuals, as a church, to reach out to the lost, those who have been deceived by the enemy. Lord, I pray for boldness for our church. I pray that, God, we would have those eyes to see what you see, that our hearts would break for the things that break your heart, Lord God. And, Lord, as the enemy continues to roam around like a, a roaring lion, I pray that, Father, we would stand firm and we would take more ground for your kingdom. Father, please, Lord, open our mouths. Let us go out there, Lord God, to destroy the works of the enemy, that we may gain ground for the kingdom. And, Father, I pray that even right now, in this room right now, Lord, if you have brought anybody this morning, God, to this place to hear a message like this, about the future. Lord, that right now, Lord God, if they don't have that future of, of, of rejoicing in heaven one day, and they will have a woe here on earth. And I pray for them right now. That, Lord, if, if somebody is here who does not know you, that they would turn to you, Lord. And right now, as we're praying, you, believer, pray for somebody who might be here because if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus your future does not look good but Jesus came that he might give us a future and a hope and if you're here and you need Jesus in your life I want to give you that opportunity because I I do not want to waste this time If, if you're here and you need Jesus raise your hand and say I need him in my life if you've already done it you're in already but if if you need Jesus in your life say I've never done it or I've backslidden so bad I don't even know if I'm saved just raise your hand I want to pray for you is there anybody this morning Father I pray for our brothers and sisters here give them boldness give them strength Lord God give them compassion for those around them Lord, those people that are in their lives right now that have been antagonists, who who have come against them, Lord God, and they're feuding, I pray that right now, Lord God, you would help my brothers and sisters to look beyond the physical and begin to pray and intercede and fast in the spiritual to win this kind of battle against their brothers and sisters, their co-workers, whoever they may be. That God, you would give them victory so they could take more ground for the kingdom of God. We bless your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Sing your hearts out.